Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real-life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hunbots and Hunbros, just a little bit of housekeeping before we get to the show. First, happy July. Um, is it super hot where you are? Because it is super hot here and I am not okay. That's the first thing. Two, I started a Patreon. Yay! So if you are so inclined, a lot of people have asked me the best way to support. I wasn't really sure. And some gentle pressure from some podcasting friends. I have decided to open up a Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. We have a $5 and a $10 tier if you are so inclined to support. There will be bonus content behind the scenes, Q&A, live streams, uh, ad-free content, early releases, all of that. So if that's something you're into and you want to support the show, I would be so happy to see you over there. And then the third thing is um, I have been creating content on YouTube. I know a lot of you do know that, but some of you don't diving into different stories, different frauds and scams. Um, I'm working on a Bernie Madoff episode right now about Ponzi schemes. It's really awesome and I it's just a new passion for me. So I will release the audio of those as bonus episodes on Wednesdays like usual, but now there is an added bonus if you're into the visuals that there will be visuals. I'm hoping to put out one a month. That's what I can promise right now. There is one already about Pam Hupp. Uh, And now we have this one about Bernie Madoff that will be coming out soon. And again, that stuff will come out earlier on the Patreon and be ad free. So again, if if you're into it and you want to come on this ride with me and see where it goes, um, I would love to have you. So I'll see you over there and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. Today we have Bree. Hi, Bree. It's so nice to meet you and, and finally connect. Hey, Roberta. It is so good to meet you. I have been actually, I was going to say I've been a long time listener. It feels like it, but I just, I binged everything after um, Lula Rich came out, even though we're just meeting for the first time, you don't know it yet, but we're best friends because you've been in my ears for hours and hours and hours. (laughs) (laughs) That's so like, that's hilarious. I think that's really fun. I'm excited to get to know you and excited to talk to you today. Please introduce yourself and the MLM you were part of, and let's get into it. Sure. So uh, my name is Bree. I am based in Chicago. I really love to travel. I was a part of Rodan and Fields for almost six years. I had a very, I, I guess I would say, uh, typical experience. I didn't have any of those jaw dropping moments of like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Or, you know, things like that. Um, but it was just little things that built up and built up and built up over time. And finally kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. I I said, I I can't do this anymore. So I'm sure we'll get into a lot more detail around that. Absolutely. And that was one of the things in your email that like struck me, you were like, I'm the 99%. I'm super normal. And you know, it's true. The people that listen to the show, we have a lot of stories with like crazy shock value. That's like, wait, what did she just say? And you have to go back 15 seconds and go, okay, yeah, no, that's what they said. So it's really nice to have somebody on that had a really normal experience who sort of went by the book, 
did exactly everything because they like to say, well, you know, you don't work hard enough or whatever. And then these episodes come out and people hear horror stories and they go, well, my experience wasn't like that. Or my MLM isn't like that. And so that was something that you had mentioned in your email that I agreed with. And I was like, yes, I need to talk to you. You need to come on the show. We need to hear a really normal run of the mill, basic MLM experience. that doesn't have crazy shock value because there's a lot of people out there right now listening that need to connect with something that is what's happening to them right now. Yeah. So I guess I can just start with where it all started. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Where, where were you in your life when you were vulnerable? Like, tell us what that looks like and where you were at. So I was in a former life. I was an, an educator. So I worked in higher education for a number of years and then backed up to work at a high school. And so at this point in my life, I was working at a high school in Chicago. I was satisfied with my job. I really loved the impact that I was having. But as you can imagine, uh, most educators don't really have the best income. (laughs) And so, you know, I always was looking for what else can bring in just a little bit. Like I never was looking for life-changing stuff. I never was looking for replacement income. I wasn't any of that stuff. Um, And I also grew up Um, My dad um, started several businesses, some were successful, some were utter failures. But what I learned from him is that, you know, he was always open to conversations with people and, and then made a judgment about whether or not to go in that direction or not. And so that's something that I really learned from him is like when someone comes to you with an idea or suggestion or whatever, you just stay open. It doesn't mean that that's a yes, but you at least hear them out so you can make, um, a good, good judgment and good decision for you. And so that's kind of where I was when I um, received a group Facebook message. Um, And I really have never been (laughs) like in love with social media. I think probably a lot of us are that way now, but I never really posted a lot. I never, I just wasn't there. And so um, it actually sat in my message inbox for a couple weeks before I even found it, but it was from someone that I knew and a group of maybe 20 of us. It was an image of a map of the United States. Some of the states were colored in, some of them were not. And I actually um, have the message if you want me just to read it right away. I don't know, maybe it'd be helpful because it seemed really harmless, you know? Um, and this person just said, Hi everyone. So as many as many of you know, I'm a consultant for Rodan and Fields now and we're trying to expand our team to several states, one of which is Kentucky, which side note, I am from Kentucky even though that's not where I live now, so that was the connection there. If you have any interest in our business or products, I would love to share more with you. It's been really great for me and my family and has provided an opportunity to make some money, but still stay home with my sweet babies. I was dreading the thought of having to go back to work at an eight to five job. It's also a great business on the side of a current job to make some extra money. Now in hindsight, I'm thinking, oh, that's interesting. You're hitting two birds with one stone, like about not having a job, all that stuff, but I digress. Um, If you're not interested, that's totally fine, but I would love a Kentucky referral. Anyone that sends me a referral who joins our team or becomes a customer will receive some free goodies from me. Thanks for your support. It's really interesting that she's like, 
my company's expanding into Kentucky. Like it's not already there and everywhere else. It's, it's like this legitimacy. Oh, it's a real business. And it's so successful that I'm expanding into these States in this photo I'm sending you. And even if you're not interested, maybe you have a neighbor that might be, it's just, that's not what's actually happening, but it's, it's interesting that that's how she's perceiving it to others like to be. Yeah. And it's interesting because I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, a company that's growing and expanding, like it just to put a little bit of context, context around this. And this is the same for me today. Like I just don't have people in my network who are doing MLM. So I don't get people bombarding me with like, Hey, buy even, even as a customer, like buy this candle or buy this health nutrition and stuff. Like I just don't have people in my inbox, um, whether I know them personally or not with those things. And so it never occurred to me that, um, this would be anything other than a company that she was an employee of, um, that was expanding to a state where I no longer lived, but might know someone. And so I, once I finally did read the message, I actually responded really quickly and just said, Hey, you know, I'm not in Kentucky anymore, but I'm always interested in learning about new opportunities, kind of like what I was sharing with my dad and what I had learned from him. And so we literally got on the phone that night. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't really remember much about the phone call because we're talking (laughs) 2015 (laughs) and now we're in 2022. Um, but I do know just after joining one of the ways that we're trained is that when we're just getting started, um, to do three-way calls with prospective, um, partners, because that's their way to train you to learn how to talk about it and all those kinds of stuff. But then it's kind of like now that I'm learning in hindsight, kind of two against one and more pressure and whatnot. So I don't remember yeah, that. Absolutely. And then there's also, again, that little bit of legitimacy where it's like, well, this is my boss or my whatever, you know, her upline, this is my supervisor and she's going to help me to answer any of the questions that I can't like, we're just both here to help you. So again, it's like this legitimizing of this, which we know is not legitimate. And again, there's the ganging up on factor of the two against one. If you say something she can't answer, she's got somebody right there that possibly will have the answer and the two of them can sort of figure it out. It's a, it's a total MLM tactic. It happened to me too. Uh, And it's interesting in hindsight, like you said, to look back on it and be like, wait a second, (laughs) that seems like a trap. Yeah. And And like I said, I don't really remember a whole lot about the details of the conversation, but I know like before this, I never even heard of Rodan and Fields before. I didn't know anything about it, Um, but I do remember telling them, actually, this would be a good time for me to try something out new because as I mentioned, I was an educator at the time and we were going into winter break. And so I would have extra time to really get going. And the, what's interesting about this is I, it, I laugh at myself in hindsight, but I really, I know no, none of the listeners can see me, but I'm not a high maintenance woman. Like I don't have any makeup on right now. I like, you know, I just am not, I was buying literally the cheapest face wash and moisturizer at the store before joining Rodan and Fields. And so why I thought that this was, I, I don't know, but anyway, I did 
enroll having not knowing anything about it. But what I will say, and I guess more props to my dad is he drilled it into me and my sisters growing up is that you never sign your name to something that you don't read. And so I literally read every word of that agreement, the policies and the procedures. And I'm sure that my upline was probably pulling their hair out about me because I was texting so many questions like, well, what does this mean? And what about this? And da, 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 so that I fully understood things. So I knew that it was an independent contractor position. I like, I went in with my eyes wide open, like you said earlier. Um, and like I said, I wasn't looking to replace an income or have a full-time job. I just wanted extra money. That was it. Um, and so the minute uh, it felt like the minute I hit um, enroll, I was added to a slew of Facebook groups, which I know is a really common experience. And because with my team in particular, I was the only one in Chicago, they actually connected me with a local consultant who was nowhere close to our team. Like she benefited in no way by supporting me. And she quickly like opened her doors literally to her home and invited me over to events that she was hosting, trainings that she was hosting. And it's interesting because she is kind of held up on a pedestal now um, because she very quickly rose to the top in 17 months. Um, and that was like all the hype at the time. Um, but I was kind of like off to the races and what I felt was a really supportive place. Like, wow, my people on my team aren't near me. And so they're actually connecting me with someone who has opened their arms widely to me to no benefit. And, you know, one of the things that I really, um, I can't, that's not necessarily liked, but like drew me in about Rodan and Fields is just the simple stuff. Like they have what they call their solutions tool, which is just a quiz that people can take that gives product recommendations. So I don't have to know all the details about the product. So I just started sending that solutions tool out left and right to all kinds of people. And I was off and it was great. I didn't have to know a lot about skincare. It was four core regimens and at the time, maybe a handful of other products. So I found it really, really simple in the beginning. Yeah, uh, I remember actually being sent that quiz in the middle of my MLM journey as well and taking the quiz and getting the regimen and being like, what the hell? Like, that's a lot of money and not buying it. But I definitely <laughs> took that quiz. I'm sure there was a lot of people listening that were like, yeah, no, I took that quiz too. Um, and it's interesting when you say you're like, I didn't need to know anything about skincare to sell it, which is like absolutely 100% MLM and like not the best thing to do if you're looking for like a skincare regimen. Um, but thank you so much for being honest about that because that's the same. Like you see it in Monet, people are like, I don't know anything about hair or, you know, I don't know anything about dieting or nutrition or fashion or anything. I just, I just clicked the box and gave them my credit card number and I'm an expert now. I watched the YouTube video. What more is there? Which is 100% how MLM is. And, you know, I would on occasion get questions from my clients about, you know, I, I've been using reverse, which is like the sun damage one. And I'm thinking about switching to redefine, which is the anti-aging wrinkles one. And how do I make that transition and all of those kinds of things. But 
I feel like, honestly, I got really, really lucky in that in all six years, I only had one person who had any kind of allergic reaction. And so I literally didn't have any questions come up like, and, and so it felt like this is the perfect fit. It's not that I'm skirting the questions or lying or presenting in a way that I don't, it's like literally the questions aren't even coming. And so I don't have to be that person. And and the other thing I'll say too, going into it is that I knew the compensation plan inside and out because of reading through all the policies and procedures. And so every single month I would crunch the numbers to see, you know, does it make sense for me to place my own order or does it not? And when it made sense, I placed the order. And when it didn't make sense, I wouldn't place the order. I I honestly didn't care about the titles. I cared about what was going to get me to the biggest paycheck that month relative to the work that I was putting in. And so I fully participated in every team challenge. I watched all the trainings that were available to me. Um, I, I was actually doing the things that they were telling me I needed to do every single day, literally every single day. Like I had it in my to-do list and I would not go to sleep if I had not checked off those that I think there were like three or four boxes each day that I had in there. Um, but again, I wasn't looking for the big box, but the first thing that kind of made me go, Hmm. And I can't even say like, stop or cut what caused concern. It was just more of like a, well, this is interesting (laughs) is that, um, you know, as I'm doing these things, I'm getting customers, they're ordering, they're ordering again. And I'm starting to be tagged in these monthly posts about being a top earner on my team. And on one hand, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And that's exciting. Like I must be doing something right. But then on the other hand, like I knew what my paycheck was. (laughs) And so I'm like, if, if I, if my paycheck is this and I'm number four out of a group of 10, mm, it just kind of made me pause. It gave me a glimpse to what possibly was going on above me, but it was just something that I noticed, you know, I found it interesting. And at that point, that was all. Yeah, that is interesting though. You're like, oh my God, you know, I only made X amount. You're thinking like, oh, extra pocket spending money. And they're like, congratulations, you were the fourth highest earner. And you're like, really? That's the fourth highest number that came through? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) to think about that and be like, okay, well, cool. All right, I guess, woohoo, number four. Like, (laughs) just move on. Yeah, well, it also gave me insight into like the paycheck of, or the potential paycheck of the person directly above me and the person above them too. And, you know, there there's images and this representation publicly about what their life is. And that's when I started kind of being like, okay, well, this isn't all coming from your Rodan and Fields paycheck. Like there's no possible way. I think in hindsight, because that only came around once a month, it was kind of like, huh, okay, head down, check the four boxes every day and keep on moving. So it was just such a slight pause and it wasn't enough to stop me in my tracks. And so I did, I kept moving. I kept doing all the things and in Rodan and Fields does their convention in the fall. And so it was almost a full year before it came around for me because I joined in December as an educator, I'm 
just a conference nerd. <laughs> so I was so excited. I know that a lot of people get really exhausted by conferences, but I love them. I, I love them too. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're my people. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. You get me. You get me. And for me, it's not so much for the people, not, not to negate that part, but I'm an introvert. So it's not so much about the people, but I love coming walking away with, from them with new ideas and the innovation that happens. And like, I'm like, Oh, I never thought about it that way before. And all of that kind of stuff. So I like planned out all of my sessions that I was going going to, I had like highlighted, I was ready. (laughs) And I started getting all these invitations to team events in the evening and, you know, parties and this, all black party, all white party, all this and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, Hmm, this is interesting. Haven't experienced this before with a conference I've been to otherwise. Um, It's more like a cruise with like theme nights. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Like I remember one of them, we did a twenties night. Um, but, um, but I just thought, you know, I guess I'll go to these, you know, this is, not an education conference. Like this is a Rodan and Fields conference and they just do things differently. And so, you know, I'm going to remain open. And so my first convention, I went to everything and I honestly, I had a lot of fun and I also was really, really exhausted as an introvert. Um, but that's how conferences always go for me. So the first convention I walked away feeling like, wow, I learned a lot from these sessions. I have a better understanding of what these products are about. I met new people. Honestly, all in all, it was a, it was a good experience. Like couldn't say anything negative about it. And I was excited to go again in the future. And so that was in October of 2016. So then fast forward to January, 2017. And this is when my story kind of goes a little bit parallel to RNF, I found myself in the hospital with a brain tumor. And it also turned out to be my best month in RNF to that point. So, oh my gosh. What? Yeah. yeah. So this was about 13 months in. Roberta, when I tell you my best month, that paycheck for that month, and I, I went back and I looked it up, $692.85. So it's not too too bad for some extra spending money, like from my original goal, I'm like, okay, you know, this is working. Um, But one thing that kind of made me feel yuck is that um, someone on my team posted about it being my best month yet, also while being in the hospital. And it was positioned as a shout out and a recognition but it also felt yuck to me at the time. And I couldn't really put my finger on why at at that time, but in hindsight, I can see how this person was using my personal story to their advantage. Um, And so that was another thing, like, you know, the monthly top earners thing. Okay. Now add this to the thing. Like it wasn't a stop me in my tracks, but it was very much a, Hmm, just another straw. Yeah. That's an interesting choice. Were you encouraged to use that experience being in the hospital and going through that to your benefit as well? Like you should post about this. You should post about how great RNF is that you're able to work while you're in the hospital. Did any of that happen to you or no? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't explicitly remember anyone ever 
saying, making that direct connection for me. But what I will say is that, you know, this is 13 months in. And so I had been trained and conditioned to that point where like every chance you get, you include RNF in your, in your daily life. And so I remember, uh, well, actually I don't remember this. I see it in my Facebook memories. Cause I actually don't remember anything about being in the hospital, but, uh, the lovely Facebook memories. Um, I actually, I d- honestly don't even know how it got to the hospital because I came in through the ER, but some, I get, probably requested it that someone bring me, um, the, um, makeup wipes for the eye for my eyes. And, um, I don't remember a couple other things. And I had done a post from my hospital bed with these three or four RNF products on the little table that, you know, and like, thank goodness I can still wash my face from the hospital bed. I don't even need water or something stupid like that. Like, so no one explicitly told me to do that. No, but at that point I had been conditioned so much that it was just like, of course I need to do this. Yeah. And they didn't even have to tell you because you were like, oh my God, this is an opportunity. Right. This is perfect. This is exactly what they're talking about. Like when all else falls apart, you can still do Rodan and Fields. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, exactly. Like that's exactly what they want you to think and do. Oh my God. I mean, this is yeah. not the first instance of someone talking about their time in a hospital bed. This is not the first time we've talked about this. So, I mean, par for the course. <laughs> wow. Yeah, unfortunately, but yes, absolutely. And I mean, I'll say RNF aside, like, this was a moment in my life where my priorities and my future vision for myself just became crystal clear. And what I previously thought was important was no longer important and vice versa. And you would think that that would be the time where I would let go of Rodan and Fields, but unfortunately I didn't. (laughs) So from an RNF standpoint, standpoint, I kept my head down from all the extra stuff that was going on because it was that I'm, this is my personality is like, when I start getting uncomfortable, I just observe and notice and absorb and then start to distance myself from the things that I don't like so much and just stay focused on the things that are working for me. And so that's basically what I did. I, I really focused down on the stuff that was core to my paycheck. And so interestingly in, uh, April of that year, um, RNF rolled out a new platform and the rollout didn't go as smoothly as expected. There were some bumps and surprise, surprise. right, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, they actually decided to take their platform completely off and go back to the old version. Cause it just wasn't working. But during that time, we got an email saying they were going to average our earnings from the previous three months and compare it to what our earnings were from that month. And our paycheck for April was going to be the higher of those two amounts. And so I thought, wow, I like, I remember really genuinely being impressed by this. And I remember being like, talk about doing the right thing by consultants. And so it was a a mark for the company, like, you know, like, okay, I've got these things going on on the team that don't feel so great, but the company check for them. Like they're doing right by the consultants. Like you were the ones that, you know, were in control of the platform. It didn't go as smooth as possible. And you're looking out for us to make sure that we don't 
get hurt by that, so to speak. It kind of put me in the mindset of like, okay, let me connect with the team to the point that I I need it, but let's really stay focused on the company side of things and pay attention to what they're, you know, sending me in emails and, and all of those kinds of things and kind of step away from all the stuff in the Facebook groups and all the cattiness and blah. <laughs> so another convention comes around in October and that kind of came and went. And it was, this convention was slightly less helpful because the session from a session standpoint, a good chunk of it was kind of a repeat of the year before. Um, and I didn't qualify for the leader session since I wasn't growing a team. Like I, the titles weren't what was important to me. And so, but it was still good enough, you know, and this is also the time where the company um, started being more conscious of having diverse representation in their marketing, which initially I was really excited um, until I learned a few months later that we are going to be actually launching in Japan. <laughs> and so I thought, wow. oh, I see what you're doing, <laughs> right? Wow. So their campaigns featured more Asian women in the campaigns? Yeah. I mean, definitely Asian women, but also just BIPOC women in general. Um, and you know, it really, like I said, I was initially excited, but then at once I made the connection, I was like, Oh, this is actually tokenism for the company's gain. And I, I knew as a consultant that it really wasn't a true representation of the company, not of the consultants or who I knew of the home office. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something, something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the flow knit high rise boyfriend jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake. These bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester, and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claim standard-approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. 
They send you regular personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. And you know, this, I, I get there's a balance between the two, right? Because like, you don't want, you've got to start somewhere. And so I don't want to say like, okay, don't do your marketing that way. But it felt like you can't just slap a photo of this diverse group of women and check the box that you are inclusive and equitable and representative. Like it's so much more than that. And so that was the first time where I felt like, you know, before I could separate, like, this is the stuff the team is doing. This is the stuff the company is doing. And this is the first time that the company itself did something that really made me like, just made my skin crawl to be totally honest. <laughs> like, I was just yeah. like, ugh, this sucks. Yeah. And then they opened up their market in Japan, you said? Yeah. Shortly after that was when they launched in Japan. Um, and that was a really, really long launch period. I don't really totally know all the details of what was going on with that, but it just like for over a year, it was just like, it's coming. We're launching in another country. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And we're all like, I mean, when you all say another product is coming, it's a matter of months and it's here. And so it also felt like there's something going on in the launch. And I'll be totally honest. I, I don't know all the details of that, but you know, we first heard of it and it was well over a year before it actually happened, but all during that time, they were encouraging us like, you know, connect with the, anyone that, you know, who is in Japan. Well, actually first they just said Asia in general, because they weren't announcing that it was specifically Japan or anyone who might be connected. And so like, start, you can start building your team and basically had a wait list of consultants and things like that. And that was something that I, I mean, I have connections to Japan, not personally, but through people that I know, but I just felt like like I said, like my goal was not to grow a team. It, and so from a customer standpoint, I was like, you know what, what I've got is working. And I'm, I'm, I, I just constantly reminded myself of this is why I joined. Don't derail from this stick to the original plan. Um, so yeah. So I just kind of, again, added that to the, okay, I'm noticing I'm observing, I'm collecting. Yeah. but I'm also still working. Right. And did you ever get anybody on your team? Did you ever build a team? Yeah. So I did. I hosted events, um, virtual and in person. And I talked about the business side of things just because, you know, it's part of what we do, but it was never my main push, you know, um, because I knew that having, regardless of whether this is parallel or not, I knew having been a supervisor in my full-time career that managing pe people is a whole nother beast. And like, 
I had enough of that in my regular work. Like I was fine not to manage a team with Rodan and Fields. So, um, but with that said, I mean, there's, I think you actually mentioned before that you experienced it too, that there are going to be some people who just want to join because they see it and they reach out. So I did, but I'll be honest, like, because it wasn't a top priority for me and part of me feels bad about this, but the other part of me is like, I'm kind of glad I did it this way for their sake. (laughs) Um, but because it wasn't a priority for me, I gave to them what I could, but it wasn't, none of them ever really went anywhere. Another thing that you mentioned in your email that I wanted to talk about was the trip that you earned the team trip. It wasn't a company sponsored trip, but it was a, a trip that your upline was offering. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, oh my gosh, Rhoda, that's the perfect, that's actually came right after this convention. And when they announced Japan's, it wasn't my direct, my direct upline, but a, a little bit further up, they had announced a challenge and I don't remember all the details of the challenge, to be totally honest with you of the things that we needed to do. Um, but basically those who won the challenge were going to get to get away for a weekend on Lake Travis in Texas. And so I knew I'd have to pay for my way to get there and get home, but everything else was going to be covered. And um, like you said, to be clear, this was not a Rodan and Field sponsored trip. It was organized by a person higher up in our team. Just like with any other challenge, I'm like, okay, I know what I need to do. I've got the list. I'm going to do those things. And so it was announced and I knew what I needed to get done and I got to work. And by the time the challenge period was over, I was the only one on the entire team who had successfully completed it. And the what? Only reason- <laughs> yeah. what do you remember what you had to do? Was it like a sales challenge? I don't know. It was, I want to say honestly, because this was the thing and I get, I think this is where um, the whole thing kind of uh, faulted, I guess, in hindsight is because I really think that it was based on outreach, not on actually acquired customers or team members. And so, um, you know, I was doing the outreach, like that was the easy part, like, yep, I'm reaching out to three new people every day or whatever it was. I I don't remember the details. Um, but you know, the, the assumption is that, if you are reaching out to new people, then the numbers are going to follow. It's it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game, right? Like if you want one new customer, you need to reach out to a hundred people, right? Like, you know, all 99 no's gets you to that one. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I think that it was something along those lines um, because I don't ever, I mean, if it was based on customer, uh, acquisition or, or team, like I wouldn't have gotten it because that just wasn't what I was doing, at least on the team right. side. I mean, that does make sense as like a social challenge, like reach out to this many people, offer the opportunity, this many people offer the products of this many people, whatever it is that you have to do. Um, and you're saying this person is a few uplines above you. So effectively, mm-hmm. this is probably someone pretty high up on the pyramid who has a substantial pyramid underneath them as well. So what is this boathouse or whatever it is going to be on the lake in relation to how many new customers could feed her potential bonus check? Like it could really just be chunk change. Right. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, it was really interesting. And I actually, the way that I found out that I was the only one 
who had earned it was actually not from her. It was from my sponsor who called me and said, Hey, so you are the only one who earned it. And so if you want to bring someone with you from your team, then you can have an extra spot for them, you know, but of course this is like a last minute thing. This person was going to have to pay their own way to get down there and get back and all of these kinds of things. And I only got one spot and all at that point, I had three people on my team and all three of them were in the exact same position in terms of their title and in terms of how invested they were in terms of the activity they were doing. So it was like, that's a super shitty place to be because I'm like, how do I pick? Like, I don't, it just, it felt yuck. And from the perspective of the leader's bank account, it doesn't make sense to spend that kind of money on one person. And from a social media standpoint, what good is a reward trip if only one person got it? So the trip was essentially changed to a team retreat so that the house was filled. And of course, yeah. (laughs) So, and I thought, okay, you know, fine. Maybe there'll be something when I get there that still recognizes the nothing, like nothing at all. Like it just was a retreat. And I, it, it was really disheartening for me because it diminished the reward and it really made me feel like I'd put all this hard work in for nothing. Absolutely. Um, And I want to be honest, like, I don't want to sound ungrateful because it was really nice to get away, but the curtain again was just being lifted a little higher and a little higher. And I was starting to see more and more of like the inner workings, if you will, of how things get distorted and twisted from reality for the sake of spinning a story to the outside world. Absolutely. I mean, it's such an amazing point that you say that it's like the social media needed that house to be filled. Like she can't use this to recruit more people into the FOMO lifestyle. If she's like, well, I gave, it wasn't even a sales or recruiting challenge, but only one person did it like that. No, like she had to fill that house up. And then make it look like, don't you want to be here next time? You can. This is our team retreat. And you're like, whatever. Right, right. And the interesting thing is, is that no one ever outright lied, but there was definitely information being withheld so that onlookers would fill in the blanks in a way that made it all enticing, right? And what I found also really interesting is, when on this retreat, like I'm still in the mindset of like every day. And so I would do the things that I did at home. I didn't care that I was on this retreat. Like I still was taking care of my customers. I don't remember there was something that happened. I don't remember if we had like a launch of a new product or like something went out of stock or it came back into stock, but there was something that happened And I had my laptop open and was talking with my customers and like doing this stuff. And everybody was looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? Like this, like, this is how I get my paycheck. Like like, "Um, I'm working my business, hon. Why aren't you? Right. Well, and I'm kind of like, I'm doing the shit that got me here. What are you doing? Like, that's what I really felt like saying. She was also doing the shit that got her there. Nothing. Well, I guess that's true. (laughs) That's really true, Roberta. So true. (laughs) 
Oh my God. That is so true. But I mean, and the, you know, the other thing was, yes, the house, it, you know, rented through Airbnb. It was a nice house, but outside of that house, it, it, you know, spaghetti for dinner made at home. Like it, it literally was, it took, it honestly took me back to my days when I was working in higher education and we would take our student leaders off campus for an overnight retreat. And it's like, okay, how do we do this on a budget? How do we feed 50 people on a budget? And there weren't 50 people on this retreat, but I mean, it was like a very low budget and it did not feel like I was being rewarded for what this was supposed to be. And, and I hope that doesn't come across as selfish. I'm just trying to be transparent about like how the little things kind of ticked up. So no, that's totally valid. Like it is, it is shown to be a retreat. It's a team retreat to connect. You assume a retreat that the, the, even the term retreat is like a weekend. We're connecting, we're doing activities. It's about team building and whatever, sisterhood, whatever they want to say. And then it's like, well, yeah, no, I mean, it's spaghetti dinner, pancake breakfast. And if you're hungry, there's a bag of chicken nuggets in the freezer. It's like, like, I get it. I really do. But at the same time, like, the outside, again, that Instagram life is this beautiful, amazing vacation that you really need to come to next time. But the reality is like, you know, ragu sauce, which again, (laughs) nothing against ragu sauce, but like, those two things are just really not congruent in this picture that she's painting and using as a recruitment tool. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. And I think it goes back to that, like, no one explicitly lied, but there was definitely gaps in the information that was shared. Right. So lots of misinformation (laughs) and just missing information and just, yes. Like I would have really liked to know half of the bullet points before I got here. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Very fire festival. Just, but yes, I'm just getting fire fest vibes, but on a much smaller scale at this team retreat. (laughs) Oh man. So the reward trip turned team retreat turns. I don't even know. I, I came back from it and I, it was just another thing that was like, okay, keep a decent distance from the team and just keep working and focus on your customers, take care of your customers. And that's, um, what I did. And, and while I never pushed the business side, like I said earlier, I did have a few people who had joined my team, but it just wasn't a priority to, um, for me, but I did what I could to kind of get them going, but I really was more focused on my customers. And so this was also the time that I started seeing the company roll out more recruiting incentives and, and that felt gross. So they had always had what they called the fast start program, but it really like amped up and they had fast start 2.0 and they really had like a, I would call it a marketing push from the company to really emphasize that. And it really was, you know, you bring someone on, I think it's like the first three months after enrollment. And the focus is on getting to level three in three months, level one in in the first month, level two in the second month, level three, which is all based on recruiting. And so there just was a I can't say a shift because like I said, it was always there, but a more, more and more emphasis on the recruiting side. And like I said, that was never what I joined for. 
that emphasis on recruiting. That's classic pyramid scheme move. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, but it was another thing of like, okay, that's there, but I don't have to do that. And so I'm just not going to. And so I guess that was just the rebellious side of me. Like, I see you, I hear you, but no, just not, I'm just not going to. Good for Um, you. (laughs) (laughs) Then another, another convention came around 2018. That was in New Orleans that year. This would have been my third convention. And this one, I just went for the sessions. And because at this point, I was just feeling really disconnected from the team. Um, And I joined the team things when they involved meals because I had to eat regardless of whether I was with them or not. If you, I don't know if you're noticing Roberta, but there's like a very logical approach that I had to all of very, this. Very, very logical. All of your, all of your moves are very logical. <laughs> but um, but I really didn't go to any of the parties or the extra stuff that year, and really for a few reasons. One, like I mentioned earlier, I'm an introvert. And so after going through the two previous conventions, I just knew like, that's what I needed. I needed to go to a hotel room that was mine and mine alone. I wasn't sharing it with anyone. I needed that time and space to just refresh for the next day. And so I just didn't go to the the things at night. Um, But then also like I was there for a convention, not for the social media posts. And frankly, I really didn't have that much in common with my team um, or really much of anyone in Rodan and Fields. Um, You know, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have a desire for either one. And so, you know, I, I just struggled having a connection when I'm sitting at the table with women who are complaining about their spouses or showing photos of their kids. And none of that is bad or wrong. I'm just, it's, I did not feel connected because that's not the life that I, that I have. But because of that, I was kind of sitting back because how do I contribute to, you know, that kind of conversation if I don't have experience to do so? And so then people started asking like, well, what's wrong? And then of course, when I wasn't going to the parties, why aren't you coming? And, and, and they, and I kept telling them nothing is wrong, nothing, nothing. I'm good. Like I'm having a good time, but they just kept pushing. And I just got increasingly frustrated. And I was just like, why can't, what, what's wrong with me doing this the way that it works for me? Like I'm getting the paycheck that I set out to get, which is just a few extra hundred dollars a month. Like that's what I wanted. And, and that's what, that's what's happening for me. And so really it was shortly after that convention that I made the decision to just maintain and not grow anymore. Um, So I have a question about you going through these cycles so many times with these conventions year after year. Uh, What was the, what was that turnover rate like with people that you were seeing? Because one of the things that we see a lot is a very high turnover rate in MLM. People really churn through and a churn rate is something that I would love to see on an income disclosure statement. Uh, but MLMs don't keep those kind of records. So from your perspective of someone who really was paying attention, checking it out, using logic, what did that churn rate look like to you in, in the years that you were active? Yeah, I mean, it was, so I'll say, I feel like I was at the break point uh, in our line, so to speak, of that churn. So above me, there wasn't a lot of change. Well, there was no change. Uh, You know, I didn't roll up. The person above me didn't roll up. Like in the whole time that I was there, in fact, 
all of those people are still part of the of the company. Um, but my level and below was where the churn was happening. And so let me, there's a point at which I don't know. So I know the, the person who is at the very, very top, but I don't know how much space there is, how many people there are between her and the top person that I knew, but there was, um, one, two, three, four, and then me. So there's a person at the top and there's a gap of maybe one or two people. And then there's four more people in me. So basically I was like seventh, eighth generation, if you want to call it that somewhere in that range, just to put some context in. And so, um, convention was really interesting because of course that's the time when everybody comes. And so, you know, I'm noticing like year after year, like a different group of people are there in terms of my quote unquote generation and below, um, but when we, you know, when I asked like, oh, where's so-and-so or is so-and-so coming or, you know, whatever from people that I had met previously, it was always just, they decided not to come. And it was never, and even now, as I sit here telling you this, I don't know if it truly was, they decided not to come or if it was, they're no longer a Rodan and Fields consultant, or like that was one of the pieces where it was like, no more information was given, no more details were given. So I, I don't know, but I, what I do know is that the faces were different every year. There were maybe one or two people that I recognized from year to year um, in my team, but otherwise, like, I mean, it was, it was different every year. And that was another thing that I kind of noticed, like, you know, this is not working for so many people, but again, I came in knowing that. I came in knowing that this doesn't work. And so while it, but it's different seeing it on a piece of paper versus actually seeing the people, the humans that come and go, right? Like that, I, I don't know, something maybe about that made it more real um, and more palpable. And, and so I can't really remember exactly when, but it was shortly after that convention. So either like the end of 2018, early 2019, um, that's when I made that decision to just maintain and not grow. And I called my sponsor to let them know of my plan. Like, Hey, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to maintain my current customer base, but I'm not going to be doing events anymore. I'm not going to be, you know, out there pushing it the way that I have been pushing it. And not long after that, Roberta, you're gonna be shocked by this. I already know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> but not long after that, I got a text from a couple of ladies on my team asking if I had left RNF. And of course I told them no, but I was confused. I was like, why? What what makes you think that I because I I'm like, did I post something on social media? Like what what you know? And they told me that my sponsor had reached out to them and said that I wasn't doing it anymore. And so that they would be the one helping you know, my team, like come to me if you need anything. These were your team. These were your teammates mm -hmm. that your sponsor yeah. reached out to. Like, yeah. did she tell you I'm going to no. be reaching out to your teammates since no. you're going to be pulling back? No, not at all. Not just, at all. Just circumvented the whole thing and just did it on her own. Yeah. Yeah. So naturally I was a little bit irritated by this and, um, <laughs> I'm, you know, not a drama person. So when stuff like this happens, I go straight to the source. So I picked up my phone and I called her and I was like, Hey, what's the deal? <laughs> like, and you know, they 
really stuck to their guns and they insisted that I had told them that I was leaving Rodan and Fields and that they would um, have never done that if they, if I had said anything else. And, and, you know, I am not quick on my toes to have thought about this in the, in the moment, but after the phone call, I mean, I was so worked. I remember this is like one of those moments in your life, which is so silly now, like ridiculous with this, but I know exactly where I was when I had this conversation. And when I think about it, all those feelings come right back and I just get like all over again. But but, um, you know, I, after the conversation, after I kind of like got myself out of that worked up place, you know, I just was like, you thought, regardless of whether you thought I said it or not, the bottom line was, is I'm still showing up on your dashboard. I'm still active as a consultant, but it occurred to me that none of that really mattered because they had their version and I had mine. And so when I was done with that, that's, that's when I decided to fully let my business go. And so, um, I followed up with my customers when their auto ships would come around, but I didn't tell them about any special products, um, or any new products or any specials. And so over time I knew what was going to happen is that they were going to gradually leave and my paycheck was going to dwindle, but you bet your badass, I was going to get every penny that I possibly could. So I just like rode the dwindle and I stopped going to conventions. I left the Facebook groups. I unsubscribed from all the corporate emails. Um, and I just kind of rode the wave. And that was like beginning of 2019, all the way till September of 21 was when I officially ended. So almost two years for my customer base to to officially get to that point where it didn't make sense anymore for me to continue. And so at that point, I had probably about 20 customers left at that point, somewhere around there. And so I reached out to each one of them individually to let them know of my decision and that, you know, you have a couple options. And one is that you can choose to in, you know, close your account. The other one, if you don't, is that you'll roll over to this person they're really great. Let me know what your preference is. So even, even in all of that stuff, I just, I was not going to talk poorly. I wasn't, you know, I just, I didn't want to, to be icky about it the way I'd seen so many other people. Um, and not surprisingly, more than half of my customers decided to close their accounts, um, because they really were doing it to support me, which I think is what happens in a lot of MLMs. They don't really need or want it, but they know you, they have a close connection to you and they want to, I mean, I think that's just natural human inclination is to help others succeed. I don't know. Maybe I'm too optimistic. I feel generally the same way, you know, like yeah. I really like to help other people. And I, again, it, we're naive. We get sucked into scams. Like maybe it's a personality flaw that they see and they're like, her. she's the one. (laughs) It's interesting because that's how it started for me was just someone casting a wide net to a group of people and just seeing like, okay, who filters through and comes to the surface. But yeah, throwing uh, that pot of team retreat spaghetti against the wall and seeing what's exactly. So in those two years that you were transitioning out and you're riding the dwindle, what was required of you to even get that Hmm. monthly paycheck because it wasn't a bonus you didn't have a team this was actually a sales paycheck so what did you have to do to get that if you were just sort of riding the dwindle yeah nothing 
I, um, you know, I followed up with my customers. So with what I call it, um, preferred customers is their auto ship program. And so their auto ship is every two months. And so when it would come up, I would uh, reach out to them like, Hey, your orders, what do you need? Do you want to switch out to for something else? Nope. You want to delay it. Okay. We'll get you delayed. Um, and that was it. Like I didn't order. I actually started using other products myself. So I wasn't ordering for myself. I, I, it, I didn't have any inventory. I like, I, it, when I hear the stories that you've had before of like people having garages or rooms full or like pulling out furniture and finding stuff years later, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad. Like the only thing I had to throw out were business cards, like, which is just a joke in and of itself that I had freaking business cards, but, um, but no, I mean, I, I didn't like it, it. And I don't know how the compensation plan is written now. Um, but they don't have, um, order minimums with Rodan and fields. Gosh, how do I, it's not getting too complicated. They basically have two buckets and different types of sales go in each bucket. Um, and if you fill both buckets, then you get a higher percentage of commission, but I still get a commission, even if I don't fill both buckets. So um, so yeah, I didn't do anything. I, I didn't, I don't think I placed a single order on my own during that time. And so when, when the time came about more than half closed their accounts and the others rolled over to, or rolled up rather to my sponsor. And the next month, this was my favorite part of all of it. The next month I got a text from one of those customers that rolled up and basically was just like, you know, I came home to a box of RNF stuff of things that I don't need. And I figured out my girl spoils us. Like I never knew what I had till it was gone. And that really meant so much to me because I really, really genuinely did my best to treat my customers in a way that I would have wanted to be taken care of myself. So I never, even though it was an auto ship program, I never let an auto ship go through that my customers weren't expecting. So if I reached out to them and I didn't hear back from them, I just automatically delayed it. And yeah, I know that that meant that I earned less money, but it also meant that in the end, after letting it dwindle for two years, I still had 20 customers left because they stuck around because they knew that I wasn't going to guilt them or pressure them into getting anything. And I had customers who would like delay for 10, 12 months and then do a random order and then keep delaying again and again. And I, I was just like, fine, that's great. If that's what you want to do, let's do it. Um, so I, I really try my best to really actually take care of my customers. And so I don't know, I just shy of six years was when I click, I, well, I submitted the email saying, you know, I want to terminate at the end of the month. And I got a response the next day saying terminated now. And I was like, wait a second. I thought end of the month. Okay. All right. I guess we're doing it now. Wow. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of crazy. So I don't know if you or the listeners might find this helpful or not, but I did kind of pull the, the overarching numbers. Cause I, I know I kind of like walked through, um, the, the baby steps and how it slowly degraded. Um, but I also think maybe it might be helpful to zoom out to like, okay, this is what the full six years looked like. Maybe yeah. Not. Well, you told me that you actually did a profit and loss statement, which is something that I tell people all the time when they call me on my TikTok, have you done a profit and loss? Uh, and they're like, I don't even know what that is. 
So I would love, <laughs> you said you pulled it up. I would love to to see what that looked like because again, like we just heard your story. You didn't have a team. You did everything you were told. You did the challenges. You did the daily. You worked hard. Nothing that I heard you say made me think, oh, she's a lazy one. She didn't do anything. Like you were the only one that completed the challenge. Like you worked hard and you did it for a little bit of extra side money on the side with your normal job. So that's good. I think that's the majority of people that are MLMs are doing that. So yeah, let's look at what six years of doing it the right way, quote unquote, uh, in, in a sales position in an MLM looks like. Yeah. It's, and if I can digress for just a moment, cause you just reminded me of something. Um, I, I'm remembering, you know, the doing it the right way, uh, reminded me that there was a point in time and I don't remember where this actually fell in the timeline, but I, it was after I started feeling disconnected from my immediate team, I had reached out to two leaders above me and when they call in R in RNF, they're called RFX leaders. So, um, and I was like, Hey, do you have time to jump on a call? And so I got on the phone with her and I was like, look, so-and-so like I, I'm doing all the things like I'm, I'm watching the trainings every day. I'm doing my income producing activities. Like I, and I'm still not getting the numbers. Like I'm not doing what, you know, whatever, like what else can I do? And I, I mean, we were on the phone for like a good 30 minutes and, and, um, her basic thing for me was like, you're doing all the right things. You just, it, it's going to take time. It's just time. Like this is, this is a three to five year plan, you know, and, and you know, whatever. And I, and so I remember hanging up from that call and feeling like really disheartened because I'm like, I, I just spent 30 minutes and I got nothing out of this because it's not just time. Like if, if what I was doing is working, then I wouldn't be where I am. Like I, I'm, I'm looking around me and people are not doing the things that you all are training on. And I am, and I'm still not getting what you say I'm supposed to be getting. But anyway, um, so yeah, in just shy of six years, so December 15 to September of 2021, are you ready? Brace yourself. Oh yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. You guys ready for this? <laughs> I earned $17,950.87, which sounds pretty good, especially since my original goal was just to have some extra money each month. That was averaged out basically to $256.44 a month, which for a single woman with no children on an educator's salary, I mean, I'm not like rolling in the dough, but it could definitely help with a bill or two for sure. Right. Or, you know, you could save a couple months up and take a little mini vacation, or that's a couple fun nights out, dinner with friends, drinks, whatever you want to do. So yeah, I mean, but how many hours great. do you feel like you put in each month to make 200? Oh my gosh. Oh, Roberto, way more than it was worth. And I got it even better for you because as you mentioned, I did profits and losses. <laughs> so my quote unquote business expenses for that same time period totaled $19,895 and two cents. And let me tell you, that's with using points for flights to and from convention. I packed like snacks to avoid eating out with the exception of when team, a team thing was going on. I re-gifted the things that I won from team challenges to my customers 
sorry, customers, it, it's a thing, you know, I pinched every place that I could. I only placed orders when the math told me that I should be placing orders for myself, when it really made sense that this order gets me to that higher commission rate. And what I get from that is going to make up for it. You know, like I really, I really, really did that. And like I said, I didn't have inventory. So I wasn't like spending, I didn't have a bunch of stuff. So like the, the only thing, like I said, was that I threw away business cards in the end. And so I came in eyes wide open, knowing exactly what I was getting into, knowing that it wasn't going to be a replacement income, knowing that most people lose money, knowing that I needed to know the policies and procedures inside and out so that I could work them to my benefit. And still I walked away losing almost $2,000. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. What? I mean, uh, it's just like you did it the quote unquote right way. You were good to your customers. You didn't throw them on auto ships. They didn't need you were the kind of salesperson that had ethics and morals. You were as involved as you wanted to be. And you still lost $2,000. And I'm really fortunate that it wasn't more, to be honest with you. I mean, right? like, you're like, I packed my own lunches. Like, it's just like, I swear you're like, I use coupons. I use miles. Like you cut every corner you possibly could. And you, and you're, oh my gosh. And you still lost $2,000. Yeah. Still, still it's crazy. And I, you know, I am really lucky that I, you know, have had full-time work alongside that. So, you know, $2,000 over the course of six years, I really did not feel the impact of it. And, and still it's not okay. (laughs) Still, it's not okay. Because what could I have done with that almost $20,000 otherwise in those six years, if I wasn't spending it on road, but my Rodan and Fields business, you know, like I bought a home in that time. And I'm like, gosh, if I had put that 20,000 on my principal, where would I be? You know, like, <laughs> right. Like hindsight's 2020. You're like, Oh my God. Like yeah. I could have so much more right. than nothing right now. Right. 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 Not even nothing like losing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I say a side note too, about something that I never personally experienced? Because like I said earlier, I'm not, I'm not married, but this whole like idea of retiring husbands is just a joke to me because I mean, no one talks about retiring their wife. They're just stay at home moms, like legit. Like, why is it just not stay at home dads? Like this whole idea of like, I retired my husband. Why is that something to aspire to? I don't, that's, that's like a total tangent, but I, that's one thing that always from day one was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like it's platitude and it's bullshit. (laughs) Don't you want to do that for the man that's giving you everything? You're like, uh, but, but here's the thing. They're not actually retired because when you retire, you take your retirement and you don't ever go back to work. And most of these men that are quote unquote retired, 
they go back to work, you guys. Eventually, right. Or they're working the business with their wife. And that's definitely not being retired. That's being stuck in a pyramid scheme with your wife, having all of your eggs in the pyramid scheme. Yeah, which is really dangerous, but it's just the way that they want it. But yeah, I mean, it was really interesting too, because I the the whole not having kids and not being married was really challenging for the leaders on my team because it was like, what? But I mean, your why is supposed to be for your family. Your why is supposed to be for this and that and the other. And it's just like, no, I don't want those things. Like, and so I, I feel like I was always a conundrum for them of like, how do I work with her? And I'm like, you just don't just let me do my thing. Just let, let me do yeah. my thing. They saw you and they're like, she's perfect. And then you ask questions and they're like, she's going to be Maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even from the beginning when you're like texting and calling, I have another question about the policies and procedures (laughs) to someone who's probably never read them. She's like, what do you need now? (laughs) How many more pages are she was really, really nice about it and answered all of my questions, but who knows what she was thinking or saying when I wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Maybe yeah. she's thinking, oh no, this one's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably was, to be honest with you. And I'm okay with it because <laughs> I, I lost 2000 instead of 20,000 or 200,000. And so, oh gosh. It's just, it's wild. It's just wild. I just, I love hearing like, literally you did everything by the book. You checked off every check mark. You were there for everything and it still didn't work out. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it, that's not because of anything I did or didn't do. It's not at all. Just the way it is. Absolutely. It's just the way it is. So what are you doing now? What are you up to now that you are oh, out of MLM? What's your life after MLM look like? Yeah, a freaking amazing. <laughs> I, um, so as I mentioned, I, in 2017, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. I was really fortunate to be able to have surgery to get most of it removed. Um, but that was, that was a life-changing moment for me. You know, the Rodan and Fields always talk about life-changing skincare. Pfft this is a life-changing moment. Like This is what life changes about. And so I actually did a complete career change and I am now an international coaching federation, professional certified coach, which is a big freaking mouthful and a lot of words that just mean that I am well-trained, qualified, have lots of experience to um, support women in their transition to rediscovering themselves. Um, and you know, for me, that was, um, leaving a career that was good enough, but I didn't really love it and prioritizing like life is not about work. Life is really not about work. It's about so much more. Um, and so that's what I I walk along other women who are going through other transitions like that. I have a lot of clients who, um, not necessarily currently going through divorce, but they're on the other side of divorce and are at that point of getting to decide what's next. Um, a lot of first time parents. So, and then I also have several clients who, um, connect with me because of my experience of the surprise of a medical emergency that, that forces a transition unexpectedly. So, yeah. And I, I mean, talk about doing what you love and you never work a day in your life. I literally could do it all day, all night on the weekends, never take a vacation because it really is 
integrated now. Like what, and I'm sure you probably experienced this, you know, when you, when you really are doing what you love, it really does not feel like work. And, you know, I went to an event today and I just, I am so filled up by connecting with amazing badass women who are really taking life by the reins and and designing a life that they love and because they own it not because they're slinging some skincare or something like that absolutely that's incredible i love hearing that i love hearing that you are as certified as you can get that's an incredible thing. It's another thing they talk about when looking for coaches in any field is making sure that they are as accredited as they possibly can. And so it's wonderful to hear that you have done all of that work and you are having such incredible results on the back end of being out of MLM. And maybe luckily, like you'll be able to even help women transition out of MLM because it is kind of like leaving a really bad relationship. So <laughs> transitioning out of MLM too, and like opening up that and helping even more women. This story here will even help more women. So where can people find you if they are like, oh my gosh, I need to be best friends with her too. She's amazing. Where can they find you, Brie? (laughs) Well, I have to be honest, as I mentioned earlier, well, I am on social media. I'm not on social media. So I'll share my handle, but know that the, the best way to get me is really in my email inbox, which is so boring and old school, but I just love the deeper connection, not the surface connection. But my handle is at life lived by design. Um, and uh, my web address is lifelivebydesign.com. If you do backslash podcast, um, I actually um, created a special offer for your listeners for my workbook, the Examined Life Workbook. Um, and so it is really about taking that journey of rediscovering yourself taking the reins and saying, okay, that's who I was before. This is who I want to be now and reclaiming that. And one of the things that is really important to me, the coaching industry, you know, hiring a a coach is not cheap. I'm not going to lie. But it's really important to me that this is accessible, which is why I created that workbook. And so it is a way that you can kind of take that journey on your own if you're not able to afford a coach. That's awesome. Thank you so much. We'll, I will throw all of the information in the show notes so that people can find you easily. And uh, thank you again. That's amazing. So if you guys are interested, check the show notes uh, and, and hook up with Bree. Are you ready to do some rapid fire questions? I guess as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> I mean, here we go, right? So what yeah. is one word that encompasses how you feel about multi-level marketing? Meh. <laughs> I mean, I love I, it. Like, meh. Yeah. Like I, yeah. Yeah. Meh. One Absolutely. word, right. Cut it yeah, off. One word. One word. <laughs> uh, a, a warning or a piece of advice to somebody who may be on the fence about joining an MLM. I would say, you know, the one thing that I really appreciated about my journey is that I did go in with eyes wide open. So I don't, I'm coming out on the other side um, you know, even though I don't, obviously I'm not thrilled with how it turned out, 
I don't feel like I was bamboozled or anything because I, I did read those policies and procedures. I didn't know about an income disclosure to ask about that. So that's the one thing I didn't see. Um, but, you know, really, truly, if, if you feel like this is something that you want to do, like, first of all, don't. But if you really feel strongly about it, um, go with eyes wide open and have a physical reminder of why you got into it so that when you start going to trainings and conventions and you start getting influenced, you have that anchor back to what your original goal is or was so that it doesn't get distorted. And when it does get distorted, you know, that's your time to leave. Excellent advice. What is the worst MLM in your opinion? Yeah, this is an interesting one because like I said earlier, like I just really don't have people in my life reaching out to to me about these things. And so I've actually learned a lot about other MLMs through your podcast. I'm like, wait, I've never even heard of like all of these really. So um, I guess, you know, from personal experience, my default would be um, Rodan and Fields. Um, But from what I've learned uh, through your um, podcast, like I, I just, think herbal life just seems like what the hell is going on over there (laughs) oh my god yeah I'm not a big fan of herbal life either we're gonna have to have uh silver lightings lessons on the show and and do some herbal life stuff and talk about some recipes and some dupes because she's a great person following if you guys are trying to get out of herbal life and find alternatives to that uh what is the hardest lesson that you learned while you were in MLM even if you even, even if you go in eyes wide open and you keep that PML from day one, even if you read the policies and procedures, even if you do it all the quote unquote right way, it still does not work. It still does not work at the end of the day. It's not time. It's not doing the three things every day. It's not income producing activities. It just does not work. True words, never spoken. Uh, And the positive takeaway from your time in MLM. Yeah, I learned, you know, it's interesting because as I mentioned, I now have my coaching practice and I learned a lot about running a business that I've carried over and some things that I have not carried over. Um, But I am really comfortable talking with anyone about, my real business, not some fake shit, but, um, and, um, I, it's not a, you know, everyone's going to be a customer every or a client in this situation. Like it's just a totally different approach, you know, and, and people know when, you know, I mentioned the, the, uh, event that I went to today, all of us were there to genuinely make connections. No one was trying to make a sale, no one was trying to recruit. Um, and, and that's how you do business. And so, you know, I really did walk away with some really tangible things that helped me get my coaching practice up and running relatively quickly because I had already kind of been through that side of it with Rodan and Fields. Amazing. I love that you basically were trained how to and how not to run a business by going through the MLM ringer. That's amazing. I would have loved to learn it different ways, but it is what it is. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. You're like, man, I wish I didn't have to like go through all that horrible stuff, but 
you even you didn't even really have a horrible experience you really it's just it's it's really interesting to see your perspective you came to the same conclusion that everybody else did even though you took a completely different route but you came to the same exact conclusion and unfortunately you were part of the 99 percent yeah and I mean that's exactly why I wanted to reach out to you is because I think that certainly the the jaw dropping experiences are horrendous and I I think that they they definitely are stories that need to be told and heard and be out there and also I hear and see so many people but that's my MLM doesn't do that my MLM is different and and so I I'm hoping that my version of the same story can show people that even though your MLM is not like that, it's still not going to work out in the end. Even if you do all the things they tell you to do, it's still just not going to work. And so um, my, it it was just average. It was an average experience and um, still I'm walking away or I did walk away. Yeah, it's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your story. I think telling as many stories from the 1% to the 99%, it is, it is so important. So I want to thank you so much for being candid and sharing that experience. And hopefully there's some people out there right now going, uh oh, maybe my MLM is like that too. Do those profit and loss statements, babes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it'll be tedious, but it will be worth it. It will be so worth it because you can't ignore numbers. Numbers right. don't lie. They do not. Thank you so much, Bree. Thank you, Roberta. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, I have a story just like that that needs to be told, hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans. Thank you.